And that's the scary thing about burnout is, you know, it doesn't, it sometimes feels to people like it hits all at once, but in reality, it's all these little things stacking up over time that can lead to really serious things if we're not careful. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. So April is a board-certified health coach and stress expert, triple-trained at Duke Integrative Medicine, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and Precision Nutrition. Her story and articles have been featured in Mantra Wellness, Better Humans, Wellbeing Magazine, and Authority Magazine. Driven by her own experience of hitting and overcoming burnout, which led to a total health collapse, she's fiercely passionate about helping others beat exhaustion and burnout and get their spark, energy, and joy back. Welcome to the podcast, April. How are you? Good. It's so good to chat with you today, Trudy. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And man, how is it? It's so needed. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, I am so excited to talk to you. Like this is probably like a little one-on-one class for me too, (laughs) to help me to manage stress and burnout. So I'm definitely going to be taking notes here myself. Uh, And I highly recommend listeners, you grab your notebook because April's going to deliver some serious gems. Don't say I didn't warn you. (laughs) So April, I know I shared that amazing bio of yours, but you have this incredible story of hitting and overcoming burnout. And I think it's something that can be inspirational to a lot of people who might be experiencing that in their lives right now themselves. So can you share that story with us? Yeah, I would love to. So I've hit burnout a few times, but I hit it first probably, gosh, well over a decade ago. And it was it was after my father died. So backing up, like he was diagnosed with a terminal prostate cancer, like super young. It was very aggressive. It came out of left field. And it really kind of just devastated the family, shocked us. We were super close. And so, you know, I just, that was when I kind of dove into like, what in the world is causing the rise in all of these diseases and cancers and things that we're seeing? And, you know, and of course you, you, you discover epigenetics, right? Which is what is in our environment, what is in our food, um, our stress levels, all of those things. So once you kind of know that stuff, um, you can't unknow it. And so the the great thing about that was he and I together really like revamped our diets and lifestyles. And, um, and I, looking back, I really believe that helped to prolong his life and and give me a couple extra years with him. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, because it, it seemed to fly by, but the reality is, you know, he ended up passing and, and the reality for a lot of us is, you know, when life hits unexpectedly and, and that's, part of just living on this planet, right? Mm -hmm. Things will happen periodically that just catch you off guard or or it's hard to deal with. And sometimes when those feelings hit and we don't want to feel them, it's easy to turn to, you know, shopping and Netflix and alcohol or, you know, whatever sort of thing um, that is for you, you know, any number of things. And, And for me, it was workaholism. So, so though I had made all these great changes, 
prior to his death, it's like, you know, I just reverted right back to that way of coping with things. Because again, it was such a dark and devastating period in my life. And so that turned into me, you know, having no boundaries, like working till like one and two o'clock in the morning, eating sporadically, skipping meals. You know, I'd skip breakfast, sometimes lunch, not eat till dinner. You know, I was fueled with like sugar and caffeine all, all day long. My sleep was a hot mess. I was, I was basically just burning the candle at both ends for a couple of years when my health completely collapsed after visiting um, the Caribbean and, and, um, and, and being exposed to like a massive mosquito outbreak second to Zika. And so it was one of those where I was in the best shape of my life, kind of top of my career at the time. And then I just came back and could not get up. And I ended up being almost bedridden for about a year and a half, I saw dozens and dozens of, of doctors, experts, anything from you know allergists to hematologists to cardiologists, the whole gamut just kind of shuffling me around, trying to figure out like what in the world is going on. And, and of course, I was diagnosed with like, I don't know, 25 different things, oh, wow. anything from you know, messed up hormones and thyroid to, to West Nile and Lyme disease and toxic um, mold exposure. It was crazy. I mean, so much stuff. And so, but it was also a really, I'd say devastating and and hopeless time when you have all these experts not knowing what in the world is going on with you and you're just being passed around and sometimes gaslit. If I'm honest, you know, it was, it was a really difficult time, but I finally got connected with a functional nutritionist health coach and FDN health coach. And she changed my life. I mean, Maggie was incredible. She was the first person that I felt like really saw me and had understood where I had been. She had worked with Chris Cresser out in California and he, you know, really helped get her life back too. And so that just kind of was the spark that I needed to slowly begin to rebuild my health and then ultimately became a health coach really so that I could help others avoid the costly mistakes that I've made because it really, it took me years to recover. And that's the scary thing about burnout is, you know, it doesn't, it sometimes feels to people like it hits all at once, but in reality, it's all these little things stacking up over time that can, can lead to really serious things if we're not careful. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for being so transparent and sharing that story. And my condolences uh, to your father. I can't imagine what it's like, you know, to lose a parent. Um, but I'm so glad that you talked about burnout and not just being this thing that happens overnight and that it's like, you know, like a dominoes that are stacked that, you know, over time and there's different habits that come into play as well. And I saw you posted something on social about that, too. So can you just talk about what those dominoes are and what those things are that continually stack that lead up to burnout? Well, I think it starts first with stress, right? You know, and if you think about stress, get asked this question a lot is, you know, oh, is all stress bad? And the, and the reality is no, stress can be a, a good thing. It's part of our survival mechanism, really designed to, you know, to save our life if needed. You know, if there's an emergency that happens or being chased by a tiger, any number of things, so, you know, you want that fight or flight system to kick in and protect you um, to be able to do what you need to do, you know, to survive that particular threat. The problem is, you know, the body really doesn't do a good job of differentiating between, you know, being chased by a sketchy person in the alley, which is a legit threat, or, you know, nonstop emails coming in, or Slack messages from your team and your boss and things piling up, you know, your body has that same chemical reaction and this whole chain reaction that happens that's very similar. So it's, it doesn't really do a great job of differentiating that. And so in our modern society, it's, we're getting hit with all these different things. I like to backing up kind of blame technology because I feel like technology has 
a big role to play in the chronic stress and burnout epidemic that that we're in. It's not solely responsible, but you know, I always joke, I'm like, I wish we could go back to the 90s when like you might have a cell phone, but it was too expensive to use the thing. And you certainly weren't texting and like surfing the internet. Life was just a lot simpler when the reality right. is now we just have things coming at us at such a fast pace with AI and everything else that it's our nervous systems literally cannot keep up with it. And so, you know, it's that it's that day in and day out stress that can be really dangerous if it's you know, it's left unchecked. And then eventually, you know, that can lead to burnout. And, you know, burnout is really when you, you know, have, you're like driving a car on empty and you've got nothing left. So like the World Health Organization kind of categorize it as, as an occupational syndrome based on three different things. So first, the first thing that often shows up for most people is that fatigue and exhaustion that is, that is so intense that like no amount of sleeping in or getting extra sleep will curb that. It's it's a really intense exhaustion. The second one is you you start feeling really just mentally distanced from your job and and almost cynical in a sense too. And then lastly there's this reduced sense of productivity and efficiency too. And so and there's a lot of other things that can contribute to that and I see, you know, I think experts want to kind of point fingers on two different spectrums, you know, of like oh workplace culture is completely to blame and then no it's solely on the vigil and the the reality is it's both you know that i've of everyone that i've worked with and even my own story that even if you um w- work in a really incredible environment uh, oftentimes for those of us that are achievers and doers and high you know high achievers um type a personalities those types like there's still habits that we're doing that can stack up that can lead to burnout if we're not careful. And that can be things like perfectionism, you know, not being able to say no um, to things that maybe don't need to be on your plate. And sometimes there's great things, right, that that you would love to be a part of and you're just maxed out right now. And it, now is just not the, night, the right time to add that that on. And so there's there's always kind of both at play with habits that could probably be improved and then potentially in a workplace culture as well. Mm, April, there is so much to unpack there. And I definitely want to talk about workplace culture and toxic cultures. But before we get to that, I really want to make sure that people understand the difference between chronic stress and burnout. So can you help us understand the difference between each one of those things? Yeah. So again, um, you know, chronic stress feels like you've got way too much on your plate. And so it's like it's when things start to feel really difficult to kind of navigate and juggle. And so um, you know, that could be like a normal example of maybe like a short-term chronic stress would be like finals coming up, you know, um, or a big project at work or, you know, working on your MBA would be a little bit longer where again, you know, burnout is like the slow fade of your soul where it just feels like this beautiful uh, spark or match that slowly fades into a, a pile of ashes. And so there's a lot of other symptoms that pop up too. So again, the first that most people start to see, you know, in the burnout category is that physical and mental exhaustion, the dread, the cynicism, um, the fatigue. You start to see people with having lots of sleep issues too. And so that can turn into chronic insomnia, whether that's having trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or a variety of both. Um, headaches, a lot of tension, uh, pain can be signs too that you're ex- experiencing too much stress or possibly burnout too. And then often, you know, anxiety and depression can be 
um, can be evolved as well too, which can be kind of tricky to navigate because they, they can look similar depression versus burnout and that sort of thing. But what's really interesting, I think, as far as stress is that studies have shown it's not the stressors in our lives that are so dangerous, but it's our, what we think of them. Mm. So how we perceive the stressor determines what happens, you know, chemically in our body and physiologically to whether or not we, we see it as a challenge, like a healthy challenge to kind of rise above, or do you see it as, a, as, a, as an actual threat to your well-being? And, and studies have shown when people see things as a threat, it's more likely to damage your health than if you say, okay, this is, this is challenging, this is difficult, but I'm going to figure out a way to, you know, to navigate this and, and overcome it. I love that you talked about that because one of the things I share when I go to organizations and I do talks is I share this talk called, you know, how to turn stress into your superpower, because really in life, I feel like it comes down to perception with anything in life, really, even the bad stuff. Like sometimes those gifts come wrapped in sandpaper, right? So when it comes to managing stress, like, yes, you may be stressed out, but also look at that as an invitation to look at your life and see areas of your life where you may need to redesign things, where you may need to tweak things, where you may need to establish boundaries. So I'm so glad that you talked about that and that, you know, stress isn't always a bad thing. It can be that invitation for us to look at those areas of our lives where we actually need to make some tweaks. Definitely. Yes. I yeah. know how you put that too. Yeah. So I want to talk about workplaces with toxic cultures and toxic leadership and unrealistic demands because I've also seen that with some of my one-on-one -on -one clients as well, especially in this age of the pandemic where, you know, everybody's on Slack now, you know, um, leadership or people are sending text messages and Slack messages at like two o'clock in the morning, maybe not always expecting them to respond at that time, but still sending messages at that time, um, you know, dealing with things that with roles not being, com you know, completely defined. And maybe that person is doing 52 different things, although they were hired to do the one thing. So how do you feel like that contributes to burnout? Well, I mean, it can be huge, obviously, depending on, you know, what's going on in the organization. I always say like the temperature of the entire organization flows from the top down. So if you have leaders that are saying one thing and then actually doing another, it's more caught, you know, than taught sort of thing. And so your action speaks louder than words. So again, to your point, you know, if you've got leaders sending messages at two o'clock in the morning and Slack, you know, is that necessary when you can actually schedule that and have allow your um, employees to have healthy boundaries and receive them during normal hours? And so I do see it just depends on the organization, you know, and, and but it really flows from the top down and how they are living their lives. And there's no way that their employees are going to feel safe to have a healthy work-life balance if they see their leader or their boss and their manager you know, with absolutely no boundaries and just completely burning the candle at both ends and, and not having a life outside of work. It makes it really hard for people to feel safe to be able to say, you know what, that's, you do you, but I, my family's important and I, I need to, you know, unplug at 7 p.m. and I'm done sort of thing. Absolutely. So how can people improve their work-life balance? Like, do you have any tips for people on how to do that? Yeah, I would say first, you know, it's really just knowing your why and your values, you know, those core values and, and part of the, you know, the research on burnout, as you know, and you mentioned, you know, is a mismatch between values. And so it's first, you know, determining, am I working for an organization that is in alignment with my core values? And, and, and it may be, and it may not be. And if it's not, that might be something to kind of think on and ponder of, okay, is this the right place for me right now? Or do, do I need ultimately need to be somewhere else, um, 
you know, first and foremost, I always tell people, you know, the the one most important thing to do daily is really just to check in with yourself because so much of um, high achievers, and even in my story too, like I'm a former athlete, I played varsity sports, I played sports at a very young age. It was, a, it was an outlet for me, and uh, you know, I learned at a very young age to ignore the pain, to push through the pain. You know, you you break something, you wrap it up, you get back in the game. You get a concussion, uh, you seem okay, like we'll put you back in, sort of thing. Which is telling my age, you know, and how long ago that was. But uh, you know, thankfully now we're not that brutal with sports. But um, I think again, you know, for a lot of you know doers and high achievers, like you, you can easily learn to just push through all of that stuff and not listen to your body. And the reality is, it's always communicating with us. We're just often not listening. And so, you know, I'm a car girl, so I often talk about car analogies and like the dashboard lights on your car that you know will kick in if you're driving and you're low on gas. It might say, "Hey, do you want to find the nearest gas station?" Or your tire pressure is a little low. Or you know, any number of things too. The body is communicating throughout the day, but if we keep grinding and hustling and sitting at the computer all day long and ignoring it, you know, it's like a screaming baby. You know, eventually it's going to get louder and, and it will get your attention. And maybe it started off with just a little bit of tension that was very, very subtle, but, you know, you sat there for another four hours and, and not, you know, got up to stretch. And that's turned into you know, a neck pain that's turned into a headache that's wrapping completely around your head, you know, and one of those awful um, full head migraine sort of things. And so it's really, you know, asking yourself daily, you know, how am I doing in the same way? You know, if you see a girlfriend out, you see a friend, family member, you haven't seen them in a while. What's the first thing that we say to them? We're like, hey, how are you doing? And, And for most of us, that's a genuine question. We genuinely want to know how this person is doing because we care about them. It's also just kind of part of our polite culture too, but we often fail to ask ourselves the same question. And so it's just taking 30 seconds a day to say, okay, so how am I really doing today? And being honest with yourself. And then secondly, asking, okay, what do I really need today to thrive? Like, and feel my best inside and out. And the cool thing is the more you start to tap into that, your body is going to tell you what it needs. And so today it was sunny outside. It's been gloomy and, you know, and kind of gross the last couple of days here in Virginia. And so I felt like, you know what, what do I need today? I need a little vitamin D. I need to go outside for 15 minutes and just sit outside, even though it's cold here and, and, you know, and enjoy the sunlight tomorrow. It could be, you know what, I, um, I feel like I want to connect with a girlfriend. Like I'm feeling a little disconnected working from home and, and, you know, I just want to catch up with somebody else the next day. It could be, I want to go for a walk. Um, you'll, the, the cool thing is it'll change daily based on your needs, kind of what's going on in your life, the season that you're in. And it just requires, you know, asking and the body will tell you exactly what it needs. So those, those are the first and foremost tips that I always tell people too. And also, you know, we, how, how great are most of us at, at keeping track of our cell phone battery, right? You know, you're throughout the day, it's just it's become a habit because we're so tied to these devices everywhere we go, our entire lives are on them to look and see, ah, okay, I've got 40% battery left today. Um, but you know, using that as like a habit stacking tool to also say, okay, how are my batteries doing right mm-hmm. now? And, you know, same sort of thing. And so using that as the trigger to ask the question of like looking at the phone battery or your laptop battery and okay, those batteries doing good. How are my batteries doing? too. And being mindful and aware of those things in your life and throughout your day that are energy drainers 
and energy supporters. Mm, I love all of that, April. And one of my favorite people in the motivational space is Marissa Peer. Have you heard of her before? Yeah. I have, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's she's phenomenal. So, you know, she talks about how your thoughts are connected to your body. And she says, Mm -hmm. you know, you have over 37 trillion cells in your body. And each one of those cells is influenced by your thoughts. And I don't, I think people take for granted sometimes how connected what we think is to our body, because Mm -hmm. your thought leads to a feeling that you have, and that feeling leads to an action that you take. And when you're stressed out and you have all these negative thoughts in your mind, that action is probably not going to be the thing that serves you most. So I love that you talked about even just at the beginning of the day, just asking yourself, how am I today? How am I doing? And this is also something I've gotten into the habit of doing throughout the pandemic. When I was feeling stressed, over the certain moments I was feeling stressed or feeling anxious, I would just stop and ask myself, okay, Trudy, how are you feeling right now? And just put some words to it. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes we know we're feeling stressed, but we just keep it all bottled up in our mind and we don't actually express ourselves. So just putting some words to how I'm feeling. And then what is it that you need right now in this moment? Right. So, yeah. So just asking ourselves empowering questions. And I think Tony Robbins says the quality of your life comes down to the questions that you ask. So asking ourselves questions, stopping and taking those check ins, those are not to be taken for granted. Those are so important to our overall well-being. So I'm so glad that you talked about that. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, it was helpful. So can you share some other tips on how people can reduce stress quickly? So quickly, first and foremost, just be breathing. You know, often when we're stressed, we are shallow breathing or we're breathing kind of from our chest cavity instead of our, you know, abdominal area where we, you know, we really should be breathing. And so just taking a pause and breathing just for a a few seconds to a few minutes can quickly switch you out of that fight or flight into the friendly parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest system that we want to be operating in, that we're often often not operating in. Um, I, movement is another great one too. Sometimes it's just you know getting, a, get, getting up and walking away from your computer. If you've been working for a while or something stressful you know, pops in like an email for your boss or another thing on landing on your plate, and you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to add this right now to the pile of projects I have. And you just need to get up and walk away. But movement is a you know another quick way to calm and regulate your nervous system too. I love to do mindful walking too at mm-hmm. times where that's where I'll just put my phone away, or I will just put it in do not disturb mode, and then just you know walk outside and just focus on my senses. So what am I seeing? What am I feeling? What am I noticing? How does the ground feel beneath my my feet as I'm walking? You know, with the wind, what does it sound like? The birds chirping. How does this wind feel like against my skin? That sort of thing. And it's amazing how just five, 10 minutes of that can really, really um, just turn everything around and ground and calm you too, especially if you add in a little deep breathing while you're walking too and having that mindfulness. Sleep's another big one that I love talking about often, and it really is the superhero to feeling your best inside and out. But it's it's one that it's still got a bad rap from so many you know high achievers and just mm-hmm. our culture in general. I think we've all grown up with these you know these phrases, hearing things like "I'll sleep when I'm dead," you know, sort of yeah. thing, and and that it's almost like we go, have glorified like not sleeping and in, in, in the like my story, staying up till two and three o'clock in the morning and that sort of thing. But sleep is so crucial for everything in your body. It's, it's crucial for being able to better manage stressors, to be more resilient and back bounce back from the things that come our way. 
that are unexpected at times. It's great for your immune system. It's great for your weight. I mean, we could go on and on and on about all the things that sleep does. And that, you know, and studies have shown there's actually, you know, parts of the brain that are more active while we're sleeping than when we're not. And so it's doing things like categorizing memories. It's wiping things that don't need to be there, memories, things throughout the day. It's it's literally wiping proteins linked to cognitive decline. So sleep, sleep really is absolutely crucial. And just making sure that you're getting good, high quality sleep or aiming for that, you know, every single day. And again, there's going to be seasons when things are, you know, tougher than others. But then there's also times too, where when you check in with yourself daily, you might feel like, you know what, I am absolutely like wiped today. I feel like I just need to go to bed 30 minutes earlier tonight. And then giving yourself that, the grace, you know, to be able to do that too. Um, trying to think what else, what are their questions? <laughs> no, I love that you talked about sleep because yeah, sleep is, it's so crucial and you're right. It's so overlooked, especially as entrepreneurs, especially as high achievers. And, you know, I know for certain sleep actually affects the prefrontal cortex part of your brain. And that's a part of the brain that's responsible for decision-making. So you know, if you're trying to eat healthier, but you're not sleeping, you're going to have a hard time eating healthier because it's going to affect the decisions that you make. Uh, for me personally, when I don't get enough sleep, I crave carbs big time. Like, you know, give me, give me all the bread, give me all the fries. Like, I don't know what it is, but just when I'm sleep deprived, carbs is what I want. And that's the only thing that's going to do. And on social media, you talked about this. And I love that you talked about the overactive mind and quieting the overactive mind. So can you share some tips on what people can do to quiet their overactive mind before they go to bed? Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And you know, and all these things that we're talking about too, and I'm not above all of them. So often when I'm talking, talking about these things, you know, it's, it's a reminder to me too of, yes, I need this, this reminder this week too. And so, um, you know, so much of sleep and all of that really starts with how you start your day. And so I think it's like backing up and and, you know, and not hitting the ground running, you know, if you have that, the ability to pause first kind of in the morning before, you know, flipping on your phone and looking at all the notifications you missed while you're sleeping and that sort of thing, there's a huge difference between, you know, hitting the ground running and, and letting the day run you versus you running the day. And I've found that for a lot for myself and a lot of people too, that if you just hit the ground running and then you're just running, running, running all day long. Well, your mind is going to be super active when it's time to go to bed because you haven't dealt with any of that stuff throughout the day. It's just been hustle, 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 running from point A to B, and there's been no pausing. And so part of the pausing that we were talking about earlier just allows your brain to kind of catch up, process things so that it's not, ironically, when you're trying to fall asleep and your head is on the pillow, that it's like, oh yeah, let me tell you about this and this and that. Why'd you do that? And you got to do this tomorrow and da, da, da. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, yep. so, you know, starting with, you know, intentionality in that day too. Um, deep breathing before bed, having a routine before bed. I mean, if you, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Dr. Matthew Walker, but he talks a lot about, um, he's, I believe he's at Stanford and he's one of the world's leading sleep experts. He's got a great accent. So he's fun to listen to on his TED Talks <laughs> and all of that. He's a British, but um, he talks about sleep being like landing a plane where, you know, if you are, you know, coming to a city that you are going to be landing at, you do not want the pilot to just aim for the run runway and just nosedive all at once, right? Not if you want to survive and yeah. you want your, your, the plane not in pieces, your luggage everywhere, that sort of thing. You know, you want to gradually descend the plane, you know, slowly over time to land it safely. 
And he talks about sleep being the same, the same way. And so if you are just banging out emails and replying to Slack messages and you know, multitasking and helping your kids with homework and doing all this crazy stuff. And then you just jump into bed like you are nosediving for the runway. It's far too overstimulating for the nervous system. It's it, You're going to have those overactive thoughts um, because, again, the body hasn't had time to catch up. So really having some sort of a relaxing routine in the evening that relaxes you, everybody's different. So you know, that could be um, just reading before bed. It could be stretching, doing some yoga. It could be getting in a warm bath, you know, spending time with a family member, whatever that looks like, you know, being consistent with that every every night or as, as best you can. And in the same way that, you know, kids need a routine to go to bed. We as adults forget that our bodies still need some sort of routine to signal, okay, it's time to slow your roll. It's time, time to start winding down and we are going to descend the plane gradually, you know, so knowing what works for you and why. Um, deep breathing is another one we talked about where, you know, if you lay in bed and you start to feel all the things kind of rushing in, like we were talking about, just doing some deep breathing can help to calm your nervous system, whether that's just breathing in and out and counting. It could be box breathing, which the Navy SEALs use, which is, you know, also called square breathing which you would breathe in for four seconds, then you would hold for four seconds, then you would breathe out for four seconds, then you would hold for four seconds, and then you just keep going. Or there's other methods like the 478 method. But really, just having a little bit of a longer exhale versus your inhale is enough to switch you out of that fight or flight system. Mm -hmm. And then for some people too, just doing a brain dump before bed can be really helpful because again, it's like really brain, like this is the time that we're going to like, you know, you're going to remind me of all the things that are on my plate and that are, you know, ahead of the week. And so just writing it all down and getting it all out can be super helpful so that your brain can just chill out knowing like it's on paper and I'm not going to forget this. And, you know, it's not something that it needs to feel like it needs to solve in the middle of the night while you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of the whole like wind down routine and bedtime mm -hmm. routine situation. I do it every single night. And if I don't do it, you're right. Like I have that overactive mind and I can't mm -hmm. calm my thoughts. So some of the things that I like to do is I like turning all the lights down low, like I have a salt lamp. So I'll turn up all the lights and I just have like the nice little warm glow from my salt lamp. I play a really nice, relaxing you know, playlist on Spotify. I'll put on my essential oil, my lavender essential oil. I just I create this whole vibe. So my body and my brain knows, okay, yep, it is time for us to yep. go to bed. So it's mm -hmm. so important because you're right. Like as kids, like, you know, our parents always had a bedtime routine for us. So why do we just abandon that as adults? And it's so beneficial. Yeah. I think we yeah. just think feel like we don't need it, but I yeah. love your routine. And I think it's, it's all, I love how you've incorporated so many different senses too. Oh yeah. With, with smells and, you know, and yeah. lighting. And I love that you touched on lighting too, because that's, that's one of the big things for me is like, you know, getting natural light in the morning is so helpful for, for all of us early in the morning. If you can get a few minutes that can really help to reset your circadian rhythm, which is, you know, is going to help, you know, your sleep cycle. So your, our sleep is really designed, honestly, to follow what's going on outside with the sun and that sort of thing. And so if we have lights on super bright in the evening, you know, or we're looking into screens with blue light late into the evening, you know, it actually mimics sunlight. And so it tells your body not only like, hey, it's not time to go to bed right now, but it's time to wake up and actually suppresses your natural melatonin production. And so 
it can, I do the exact same thing where literally after dinner, phones away, usually for the most part, and we dim the lights, you know, like 6.37 on so that natural melatonin levels can start to rise and we'll gradually start to feel sleepy as the sun starts going down and here now you know, this time of year, it's dark pretty early, which, oh, I know. which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. But yeah. that's a great, a great tip that you brought up. Thank you. Thank you. So April, I have a question that I ask all of my show guests, and that is, what is your favorite way to take care of your mind and your body? Oh, wow. My favorite way. Well, we talked about, you know, the questions to ask daily, but also, you know, I, I talk about it too, a lot of like thinking about self-care, like a box of chocolates. And so, mm. yeah, now everybody listening is going to be craving chocolate. And, you know, and <laughs> That's most, okay. Just make it dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's better for you. Um, unless you're the, you're the one like person I've ever met in my entire life that doesn't like chocolate, but um. you know, they're far and few. Right. And so if you think about self-care, like a box of chocolates, you know, this gorgeous assortment of chocolates that maybe somebody's gifted you for Christmas or your birthday or whatever, where there's all these different flavors in it. You've got, you know, maybe one's chocolate raspberry, one's dark chocolate, like you mentioned. Another's like, you know, salted chocolate. Another one's salted caramel. I mean, any number of things, coconut, orange in the middle, all the different things, right? And so thinking about, you know, again, what do I need today to thrive? But also if you've got these resilience tools, because we're all different. We've all got different things that make you feel recharged and relaxed you know, where like my husband is into ice baths. Like, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like he takes an ice bath every, every day. Mm-hmm. And it's been like oh. 30 degrees outside here lately. And he's still in the daggone ice bath. And I'm like, he's like, you want to get in and join me? I'm like, absolutely not. I will never, ever get in and join him. Join him. <laughs> I literally, it's always be no. <laughs> yes. As a side note, like it was, we had a heat wave. Like I want to say it was September or early October here in Virginia, which was weird. It was like 80, it was in the 80s. And so I had sat out for a while and I got hot and I thought, you know what? I'll stick my leg in his ice bath. I can do this. It's 80, it's like 83 degrees. I, I made it like 30 seconds. I was like, I'm not, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm like, absolutely not. So that's a case in point of like his chocolate in his box. He has ice baths and that will never, ever in a million years be in my box of chocolates. You know, he likes running and doing all these crazy extreme things. I don't run unless somebody's chasing me. Like I'm more likely to do like bar and Pilates and strength training and stuff like that. And so if yoga is your jam, like then you don't need to be a runner. So knowing what is in your box of chocolates, you know, that that refuels you, recharges you, relaxes you, and then being able to select, you know, a piece of that that chocolate daily based on what you feel like you need. Mm, I love that analogy. That is so good. And now I am definitely craving chocolate. (laughs) So April, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Yeah. So I, um, you can, you can land on my website at aprillikens.com or I'm on social. I'm all over LinkedIn and on Instagram as well as Globy Lovely. But um, if it's been helpful, just say hi. It's always good to hear feedback of like what resonated, what landed, what tips like you're already doing that's working really well for you. So just drop me a line and say hi. And if you're not sure if you're experiencing normal stress or burnout, I have a new interactive quiz that will give you a pretty accurate 
results based on, you know, on how your answers are. And you can take that at onlineburnouttest.com. Oh, I'll definitely make sure to link that in the show notes, April. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks so much. I know we, I feel like we could have chatted for hours on this topic with so many different things with your wisdom and insight and just your amazing self-care strategies as well. Oh, thank you. Well, who knows? We have to have you back on. (laughs) Hey, anytime. Anytime. April, thank you so much for sharing all of your tips today. You shared such valuable insight and knowledge on how we can recognize burnout, how, how we can differentiate between chronic stress and burnout, and how we can just prevent it so that we can live you know, a healthier, more vibrant life. So thank you so much for all of the tips and the juicy gems that you shared today. You bet. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.